it's me, Kai Bobby. Uh, I'm not being authentic today. I'm going to start over. <laughs> no, fuck that. That was the worst intro ever. I don't like that. No. Uh, hi, everybody. I don't want to I don't want I want to be real with y'all. That was I don't know. I was in a mindset that I feel like I'm supposed to perform today and I'm not going to. Hello. and Welcome to uh, Follow Your Foot. I am Kai Bobby. Uh, this is episode three of a podcast that started last November. That's going to keep going. Um, I'm going to follow my own foot and I'm going to get this thing back up and running. So uh, with me today is my third guest uh, and friend of the of I'm sure of Rotten Treasure podcast that I know you've listened to uh, Sarah Clemency. Sarah, welcome. Hello. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you for just being my friend. That's it. That that's <laughs> that's like the baseline. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I had so much fun um, when you came back to Philly a couple of weeks ago. That was that was like a really really fun night. You have no idea how much uh, I needed that. One, I needed that adventure. I even know how much actually I needed you that evening. Um, you brought a lot of like you gave me like this extra. <sighs> as soon as okay. Sorry, I'm going to get it all emotional. I, that night, I just had uh, a big, like, implosion of heart. Like, I, uh, I don't know that sounds bad, um, uh, but it's actually a good thing. Uh, I was just, like, so up in my feels about, like, missing people. And I don't know, just something – you were just, like, the, the fucking last straw on the, like, oh, I guess I'm kind of having good feelings about seeing folks. And then you showed up, and I was just like, fuck, now I am just in my feelings. All I can think about – to the point where um, at one point – uh, Nate had to come check on me and was like, are you okay? And I just, I had like this resting face of being upset. And I was just like, no, I'm just soaking in how fucking happy I am that everyone's Aww, here. That's uh, so sweet. So yeah, no, it was super I kind of felt yeah. like, I don't know. I felt like that in the room, everyone was just, ha- it was, and it, it was good vibes, good vibes all around. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I needed a break. Uh, I needed to get out East. I uh, needed to reconnect with a bunch of people. That was a much needed, not, well, we kind of were talking about before the podcast. It wasn't a restart, but it was a reframe. Um, I don't know. It was too much, but also so uh, everything I needed. So thank you for, for thank you for being there to celebrate my existence. Birthdays are weird. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Do you do that? I, I do this sometimes on my birthday where I'm like, no, I don't want to do anything or like I don't want to do something big. And then the birthday comes and I'm like, why didn't I do something big? <laughs> why didn't I do like do something with my friends? I don't know. I, it's been depending on the birthday, like my 30th birthday, I threw like a let's get together and have everybody from my adolescence and pretty much everybody that I had had in my life at the time uh, in like the Boston area all come for like games and everything like that. And it was just it was just really overwhelming. I think my only regret post was like, oh, I didn't think about the fact that I was going to be merging so many people that don't know each other that that was going to be kind of overshadowing, like just existing there. You're um, like referee, like kind right. of. Like, oh, the, this is how we know these people. This is how we know right. these people. Talk. <laughs> but I don't think it's necessarily a juxtaposition to the celebration of my day. Like, I actually joke pretty much every year. I'm like, don't give me the credit. Give my mom the credit. She's the one who had to, you know, have me be two weeks late uh, over, like, I think over a day of labor. Um Dang. Uh, uh, you know, give love to my meme who like sprained her arm falling through what she thought was a wall, which was actually just a curtain divider in between in the in the room. And then, oh, geez. Yeah. The doctors are like checking on her. My mom's like, hey, remember me, baby? <laughs> <laughs> I'm the one having so, the baby. Yeah. When I think about that day like this, this, you know, Canada Day, July 1st, my birthday, I always want to give it. Uh, sorry, Canada. I want to give it to my mom first. Yeah. She's she's the real hero. Um. But for me, I, I, yeah, for the most part, uh, I've as now like I'm in my mid 30s, I've been doing for the last like five, aside from this one where I just celebrated with folks, uh, I've been doing more of just quiet. What do I need to do for myself? What movie do I want to watch today? Um, 
<laughs> what a weird way to, to celebrate your birth. Go to sleep early. Get a good night's rest. I don't know. <laughs> like, I, it's weird being an adult and be like, that's what I want. I just want people to just like, maybe I'll go have lunch with one friend, have a positive interaction today, and then get some good night rest. Yeah. I mean, I, I on a regular basis, go to bed at 730. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm not like fully asleep, but like I will get inside the bed and I'm like, um, sometimes I'm like, you know what, this is fine. Like sometimes I feel like a loser, but I'm like, Hey, this is what it is. If I need to be in the bed right now, I'm in the bed right now. No, you're doing it right. You're doing it right. Uh, I talk to my sister regularly who is a parent and she's got a, you know, I know, you know, you're working with youngins and you gotta get up early too. So, you know, she's getting up and going on walks at like four thirty, five o'clock in the morning. So when she does go, like, I'm going to start the bed process. It's about like seven, seven thirty, And I'm yeah. like, wait, what? But I look at that. I'm totally wrong. I should be getting in my bed, grabbing some crafts, sitting in my bed until I pass out. Crafts? Sorry, like, I should like specifically. I just like I've been. I need. I have so many embroidery projects that I've wanted to do for so long, but I just need to get my hands busy and just like kind of wind down. And instead, I just do like repetitive phone games or repetitive online gaming before bed. And it's like that's not how you rest. Uh, how you do it is literally just looking at the time in which you want to be asleep. Mm-hmm. picking an hour and a half beforehand and just go park in your ass until you fall asleep. <laughs> like, why is that just so hard though? Why, why do oh. I have to look at my fucking phone for two hours? Why do I have to? <laughs> okay. What is one of the worst things that you have found yourself like, like turning off in the middle of the night? You're being like, did I really just learn everything about this when it's like three o'clock in the morning? There was one time, I mean, this was a while ago, but I watched like every interview of Raven Simone and then I was like, I guess it's time for bed now. (laughs) Oh my God. That's so good. Okay. Yeah. I I get like a little, um, obsessive on certain, um, famous people sometimes. And yeah, I'll just like watch all of their things. Yep. Mm -hmm. I'll just be like, oh, I just want to watch Brian Cranston and explain how he acts for like 25 minutes, I guess, before bed. Not a big deal. I'll do that. Um, I, I have to. There's no way for I'll me not to know. Um, or, oh, geez. Uh, last night, I need to stop. I, I'm so upset. I don't, no. I don't, I don't watch Mr. Beast videos. I just don't. But last night, what? I just, Mr. Beast. Like, uh, oh, good for you. Uh, Mr. Beast is just like some YouTube dude with just shit ton of money. And now he's just like doing a, like crazy shit. Like, I'm going to go live in the ground. Not even now. He's been a big deal for a couple of years. Uh, I bet if you saw him, it seems like Jimmy. If you saw his face, you'd be like, oh, yeah. OK, that guy. Because okay. uh, he's made a lot of money uh, doing YouTube and like now has like, oh, uh, feastable bars. You've seen his candy bars. Um He's gotten so rich that he literally has marketable candy stores and burger joints and like he's doing great. And last night, Epson probably knows who that is. Yeah. yeah. The thing is, is that he's mostly big amongst like, you know, yeah, teenagers. He has a heavy teenager following and like high school students because they're all videos of just like, I'm going to make this person live inside this like room for 30 days for 50 million dollars or not not 50 million dollars, but like, you know, for a hundred thousand dollars, whatever it is. It's that guy. And I just watched like the first like three minutes of like 50 of them. Like I just kept being like, it's the worst way to not be asleep. 
Like, I'm sorry, Mr. Beast, but the first three minutes, like, that is the, the, the dumbest thing I've ever done with Tyler. You don't even sleep to the end to see the. No, the- I didn't see the results. I was just like, yeah, I guess this really isn't that entertaining. All right. Well, I guess he's in the ground for a day. That's cool, I guess. Is he the one who did like it was like this big circle with a lot of people and they kept the circle kept getting smaller? Uh, I don't know if he's on like a circle smaller thing as much as he's okay. on like a you people when you quit when you quit you're out whoever's last in the circle gets the thing. Okay. Um, he's done like a everyone touched the plane whoever's hand comes off the plane last kind of deal he's done those two. Did you ever see the documentary about it was like it's hands on a hard body of the people who did the it was like a one of those contests where you have to keep your hand on a car and yeah, yeah like, I love those. That was in like the nineties or something. They made like a documentary about it. it was wild. Yeah. I think they made a musical about it too. Well, they also put it in like TV shows. Cause I think there was even like a Save by the bell episode or something like that, that also had like a car to win stuff like that. There are definitely like, I have oh. memories of hold, keep your hand on the car until the last thing. And there's like a very, like, how do you trick somebody to like, to not, um, I don't know why I'm thinking about this, but what I imagine it's probably just because you got to pee. That's probably the hardest part is just I got to pee. In, in this one that the documentary was about, it was about a specific one. I think they gave them like they would get a break. OK, like, that makes sense. Pee, and then they could come back because, yeah, what are you just like? Wear a diaper like just. Oh, no, I wouldn't. I would just poop and pee my pants until people were so grossed out. They would just leave. <laughs> I have no problem. Just completely disgracing myself for depending on what the situation. Are you kidding me? If it's like a 2007 Honda, I'll do it. Like, I, <laughs> I don't care. Oh, absolutely. It could be uh, my dad's old Pinto that is probably just like scrapyarded up right now. And I'd probably be like, oh, I love a competition. Let's do it. <laughs> No, uh, I don't think that's how the extremes in which I would do. If anything, I would probably do the thing where, oh, gosh, I would lean into the fact that, how do I do it? Uh, Jim calls me out. He said at one point said that, like, he's like, hi, Uh, he like equated me to like kind of uh, not being Howard Stern, but having like a Howard Stern thing where it's like, I know I don't want to be Howard Stern. But he's like he pointed out that Howard Stern has this thing where it's like, how did he always people are like, how did you get me to say that? And I'm like, I didn't realize that I'm that person like all of a sudden it's just because I don't do small talk because I just don't. That's just not who I am. So I feel like in one of those competitions, it would just be insane for everyone around me because I'd be like, yeah, so like that was second grade. What was going on for you at that time? (laughs) Right into the nitty gritty. Yeah. Howard, you're a very kind, amazing Howard Stern. Let's Thanks so let's much. Give you that. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> no, because he's a little invasive, and I realize so am I. I never realized that. Like I, I don't know. I, like I actually, I described it on a past guest of, of Follow Your Foot, uh, Ralph and Dracchio's podcast. Uh, or, uh, I always do it wrong. And Dracchio. I apologize, Ralph. I will say your name correct. Um, so when Jim and I uh, went on his podcast, hey, let me ask you something. We were talking a little bit about using comedy at ar- as armor and stuff like that. It was a fun subject matter. But then I was describing the way that my brain works uh, when it comes to just like human interaction being kind of like I'm constantly feel like I'm like running down hallways and like opening doors and r- running into them. And then when I'm in the room, I have to assess, am I in the right room? Is this the room I'm supposed to be in? And if I'm not, I do like, you know, that frog with a top hat from WB? Yeah. I become that and I do like a fun little top hat like da, 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 and then just like <laughs> I like that like back out I like a very comedy how do I get myself out of here but yeah. to me that's kind of parallel to like I kind of all of a sudden I'm fine I'm like the room sometimes that I'm in is sometimes someone else's room oh. uh, 
I know I got to be better about that. It's just like sometimes I'm just like the curiosity question came out too fast before I was like, that's probably too invasive for this amount of time that we've known each other. But I'm going to ask. <laughs> I just saw a, um, oh my gosh. Oh, Pete Holmes, that the comedian Pete Holmes. Mm-hmm. I just saw a, a little bit he did and it was like, um, have you ever been like at a party or event and realize you are being the most, he's like, you're having like an outer body experience realizing you're just doing the most. I think, uh, yes, because uh, one, I don't want to be equated to Pete Holmes as much as uh, it is like one of my fears because I am very much so have been called out uh, in saying that I provided them of Pete Holmes as well. Uh, Wait, and, I wasn't saying No, 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 that. I'm not saying you are, but I just have my own things with that. I'm not Pete. You're fine. It's good. Keep it up. Do your thing. But he he had a bit about uh, if you wanted to like it reminds me of when he was like, I want to ruin if you want to ruin the party, just say this is McDonald's because <laughs> I'm loving it. <laughs> and it just ruins the vibe for everybody. And it makes it makes me fucking lose my shit. But yes, um, I'm that person at a party that I would much rather be in the room with like five people getting into it. You know, okay. like that's yeah. just how I've always always been. I'm the one usually. uh uh, I mean, not the like not these days, but back in the day, I was usually the person who was just like rolling up a joint for like everybody and be like, let's hang out over here and hang for a bit. Or I this is the thing I miss about smoking cigarettes. I just miss being the person outside ripping butts and just meeting everybody right yeah. before that ends. Because then you like when you do the late night ripping butts, hang for a bit, you just get everybody's realness right before they leave. <laughs> were you were you around? Uh, were you in the scene when Casey Hogan was in the scene? I was. I think that was probably pre 2017. Okay, yeah, because that was him. That's him to a T. He would be with yeah. someone outside, yeah, smoking cigarettes, getting the the juicy stuff at the end. Yeah. You're like everybody in this building hates each other. Like literally everybody. <laughs> or just like, oh god, dude, yeah, no, he's dying. Like tonight, yeah, this is his last night. You're like, how did you know that? Yeah. You no, know, he just got a vibe. People just tell me stuff. Uh, Oh, I have a weird flashback to one that I met on one of my friends, like his bachelor party. I was out at like 2 a.m. And this woman kind of just like came up to me and was working out why she was thinking about leaving her husband. And I was so grateful that it like in the middle of my like I had done like I have only like faint this uh, memories of this because I did like Edward 40 hands that night because I was young and stupid. And apparently that's how you do bachelor parties uh, in your early 20s. Um, but I, I just remember just her giving me a huge hug and whatever fucking advice I gave that woman or, or like, I honestly, she probably just gave it for listening. She just needed a place to listen. But I love being that person. It's just like, let me tell you all the dirt. I mean, yeah. I don't know. That's probably why I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. Her life, the trajectory of her life was changed that night. Whatever path she went on, it was because of you. I hope so. I've impacted uh, the other major impact that I think I've had because I've been pretty big on just like. If you're in a position where you have nothing to lose and you have nothing to harm by being honest to a stranger and they're willing to share and you are do ask, like, is it OK if I give you some perspective from from what I think? Uh, do it. Uh, I had a Lyft passenger. She was upset with uh, her living situation. She was describing her boyfriend. It sounded really toxic. She was talking about wanting to go back to school. She was talking about wanting to move out back out west. We had like a good 30 minute drive and I listened a lot. I made sure I, I like sat with myself. I'm like, OK, are you going to get this advice? Are you going to get this advice? Yes, you are. Uh-huh. Uh, and I just did a little bit of like, it really sounds like he's not necessarily making enough space for where you're trying to be right now. So I'm like, you just, uh, just as a, just as a, a note, just if you end things, you don't owe him the continuation. He can reapply later. Think of it as like a resume. Maybe you'll look at it. Maybe you won't, but you can separate and go do your thing. Like there's what, uh, like, what does that look like for you? And the more and more I kept asking her about what that actually looked like when she saw herself there, it was, she was just lighting up and it was great. And I was like, all right, take care, be well. 
And then like, I don't know, and maybe like almost a year later ish, she got back in my lift again and she was like, oh my God, it's you. Yes, I'm leaving him. I'm so excited. Like I'm moving. I'm da, 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 da. I was just like super. Uh, just like, yes, that's yes, a yes. movie. And that's uh, a movie scene. Yeah, but I, it just, I got to be the, ran- like the thing is, is I got to be the random person that she worked that out with. Um, no, she she just genuinely, he was very like, clearly it sounded like he was just needing her to fulfill his worth. And I and saying that honestly to somebody and being, it just sounds like he's really just not like listening to your needs and genuinely caring about you taking care of your own is weird to say to strangers. Uh, but that's what I mean. I'm invasive. I'm that fuck, I'm a Howard Stern Lyft driver just being like, <laughs> I can't help it. I'm just like uh, the real needs those people though. I guess there's, there's so, but there's so many people in the world that just need someone like that in their lives, and they don't have that person, and they don't have that person who will listen to. You know what I mean? Like obviously they're telling a stranger for a reason. Yeah, and they're telling this stranger for a reason. Something yeah. I, something I like to think about is that uh, we are animals and intuition is a really fun thing. I need to really continue to explore significantly more. Obviously we're both improv comedians. I thought that's not how I identify, but it's something we both do. Uh, that is uh, like, hold on a second. Sorry. I lost my thought. Do you ever just lose what the fuck you were just going to say completely? Like it's on the tip of your tongue, the teeth, the lips. Sorry. That's a warm up exercise Jim gave me to do before podcast. Um, speaking of Jim, Oh, perfect segue. You should check out our podcast. This is a great opportunity to tell you about it. Check out this ad Jim and I made three years ago. Hello, I'm Kai Bobby, co-host of the Rotten Treasure podcast, where I talk with my friend Jim O'Donnell and a special guest about movie franchises that arguably went on a little longer than they should have. Hey, Jim, what movies do we review? Home Alone, Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, Home Alone 3, Home Alone 4, Taking Back the House, wait, 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 wait. Home Jim, Alone, Jim, 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 Holiday Jim, Jim, Heist. We, we, we review more than just Home Alone movies. Tremors. Tremors 2. Aftershock. Uh, do we have any guests? Do we have guests, Jim? Scott Campbell. Robert and Donnell from Watching It. Sarah Carter. Okay, uh, how do people find us on the internet, Jim? Follow us at Rotten underscore Treasure on Instagram. At Rotten Treasure on Twitter. Rotten Treasure okay, on right. Facebook. You know what? That, that's enough of your list. Um... So, folks, if you still want to find us, uh, you can listen to us on your preferred podcast app, uh, such as uh, Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Podbean.com, Google Podcasts, Listen Notes, not SoundCloud. Intuition. That's what it was. Thank you. We're back. Okay. So when it comes to me having mixed feelings about me being invasive, I think it's because the more in the times in which I was on the line of like, is this probably, you know, by the standards that I was raised in, is this not okay to ask, you know, because the rules say, or society says, um, right. I, I've, I follow my intuition on it. I go, you know what? I think this is the exception. I think this is the one. I think this is okay. I think that given their current situation, this is okay to to genuinely ask that stranger. Uh, uh, I'm just like, are you struggling right now? Like, do you like, I don't know, like, do you need some help? Or I'm trying to think of like genuinely. I don't, I don't like as soon as someone gets in. You know, when they got into my lift, I was like, so you know, what's your favorite position? You know, like I don't. <laughs> I'm not, like going weird invasive but i definitely it's like kind of like someone will start telling me a little bit about their stuff and there's probably a question that i could stop at and then there would be a pause and then a new conversation but if someone doesn't like i'm like okay i'm like a all right if this is true what else is true my said person so i'm like okay cool what else i'm gonna keep going and next thing you know someone's telling me something a, a little bit more in like 
just rawly than they expected. And I'm like, oh, I guess I did kind of grease that wheel. Oops. Like, <laughs> oops. Didn't it? Too. It was me. I mean, it's, I'm not gonna lie, my favorite, uh, where I do, I think I gotta call myself out for, uh, knowing what I'm doing is when I have a friend who's trying to work out, uh, how they're feeling about their friends or how they're feeling about the relationship they're having. I'm not gonna hand it to them, but I will make space for them to figure it out for themselves. In the, in the past, like, two years, two, three years, I don't know, time's weird. Uh, that was something I was working with because working on, because yeah, whenever someone would be like, venting to me I'm like oh I have to fix this I have to help them fix it and it's like my therapist is like no 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 no. they're just talking to you <laughs> like they're right. not asking you for advice they're not unless they ask you don't need to give it <laughs> I'm like oh yeah I can just be a friend yeah you can but also isn't creative problem solving so much fun isn't it fun to take all the pieces of their stories and put it all together and then come up with a potential solution um yeah. that's why I'm trying to okay. With them, I guess. <laughs> I almost need to like I've uh, I've done it once where I caught myself like oh they're starting to tell me a situation, and I was like all right they're fifteen percent in I'm like I had to pause I'm like hey real quick uh, are you looking for advice on this and I asked early so that way for the rest of it I got to switch my mindset from okay now I'm taking all of these elements but what is their purpose where are they going and what are they being stored off to the side right and I this is gonna right. sound really yeah. weird. But it's kind of like how when I'm doing, uh, I'm going to keep bringing improv, improv is my life, sitting on the sidelines and I'm trying to distort an idea or whether something's important. I reduce it down to like one or two words as a concept and I like tuck it away in the back of my head and I'm yeah. like, all right, cool. That's there if we need it. And that's how I start becoming a better active listener as a friend. I'm like, OK, that's there if it does come up and it seems like a reasonable avenue to then readdress. But in the right now, it's just data that you were then giving me to then support you and not um, not necessarily giving you advice, but asking questions to then have you just work this out yeah I like two things you said I like that um asking up front because yeah it is a different mindset if you want advice I'm going to be listening in a different way perhaps and then asking more questions like not giving advice just being like oh okay how do you we're therapists basically we have our psych degrees is what I'm saying I think that uh I think this world could use not necessarily like okay (sighs) I know armchair therapy is the thing we're always talking about is bad. I think that What's armchair therapy. When it's it, like when that? it's like how like I think it's an expression for like when you're getting therapist from like a friend who's just like chilling with you in a chair. I don't know really know why it's called that, but it's kind of like as far as I understand it, I think it's therapy that it's kind of like a, I probably shouldn't be the one giving you this because you're I'm not a therapist, but I'm gonna give you some therapy. Oh. Right. I'm that friend. I'm the emotion. <laughs> I'm the friend that people call at 2 a.m. because they're struggling and then will talk to me about fishing. Yes, that's right. You know who you are if you listen uh, for an hour before actually addressing your real feelings um, because I'm not that I'm that person. And I'm not like the, the I should be your therapist, but I definitely can be a good on call therapist at 2 a.m. Uh, if you're struggling. That goes out to anybody listening. If you need me, um, just uh, call me through Instagram. I think you can do that. But like, yeah, it. it, it I, I think there's a middle ground between it's um, when you realize that someone's asking for help for something that you're like, I'm not qualified. To, this is not this is outside of my qualifications. But then we have this other extreme where it's just like we're afraid that we're going to like ruin our friend or break them because they're too fragile. If we poke a little bit into their stuff and like show some interest and give them some space to work stuff out. Uh, Nathaniel. You and I love Nathaniel. Uh, Nathaniel May, uh, folks listening, you may have heard him talk about, oh, geez, uh, the Aladdin 3 and also uh, Lord of the Rings. I think it was the Two Towers. I can't remember which one he did. I don't know. But Nathaniel is like one of those spaces where like 
we do post therapy thoughts and we're not therapizing each other, but we're very much so like, a, huh, I wonder what that means. And then like, oh, cool. What did you find there? Like, uh, I, I want more that. close friends doing like a recap whiteboard. What'd you do today? Like, what what is it that you've been doing in between your weeks of uh, of like your weekly appointments of when you're like, I don't know. I want more support systems that are just uh, like us to push the boundaries a little bit of how we can show up for our friends and not just our romantic partners and like how we can show up for our family a little bit more in that way. Actually, hold on a second. We're going to put a commercial here for a second. Uh, Hello, I'm a sophisticate and so can you. Is the name of our podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony. And I'm another of your hosts, Sydney. And we're two queer millennials with ADHD. Who have been lying about our own cultural literacy. If you've ever been in a situation where you pretended to know more than you do about an important movie or a piece of literature. Yeah, or like a super cool band. Then this is the show for you. This is a show where we engage with the canon so that you don't have to. Topics for discussion will include such things as... Is Carrie Brownstein the coolest person? Can anyone who likes the movie Chinatown be trusted? Why Tom Waits? Why? All of these questions and more will be answered on every episode of I'm a Sophisticate and So Can You. Available wherever you find your podcast. And we're back. I think a, a big sentence I've always said is, you can depend on me, but don't depend on me. <laughs> mm. um, and no, I've met I guess. in a few different ways, but it's like if I will be that friend, uh, if, like as long as we like if you, you check in with me, you ask me the intentions of our friendship, how our friendship works. If we have a healthy deal, more often than not, I'm going to be that friend that shows up for you at 2 a.m. at the when you need to move. I'll probably be there. But if you're that person that's bitter because I didn't and I'm the only one for you who can. That's not going to work for me. That's not a healthy yeah. setup for me. That's a really unhealthy relationship that is using me, and I won't allow that to be the case. My closest friends are the friends that, um, I mean, lots of other things, but this is one thing that um, I feel like uh, keeps us good friends is that if we make plans and then the day comes and one of us doesn't have it in us and we say, hey, I can't do that today. Yep. We're fine with it. We're like, okay, cool. We'll reschedule. And it's not like, how could you? Why could you? You know, that's, maybe that's take a, but like, you no, know. No, but that's that's amazing though. And that and that's been an important thing that I usually tell people pretty early in friendship that I'm just like, just to let you know, like I'm that person that I will very much so like any moment. If you have to call me ten minutes beforehand, if you call me when I show up at your door and I say, hey, are you ready? And they're like, actually, I think I just need to stay in. I'm gonna walk home. I might be bummed. I might be disappointed. I'm not gonna be resent you. I'm not gonna be mad at you. And like it, maybe if this is like the hundredth time and I feel like you kept telling me all night that we were fine, you were fine, you were fine. I'm gonna be frustrated with you, but more empathetic towards the fact that you weren't listening. Like what is it that doesn't like I'm gonna be more curious how we can make space for you to admit the thing that you needed, which was just you to take care of yourself. I'm more like that friend who wants to be like, shake you, like, bro, I love you. Be nice to yourself. Be nice to my friend energy when it comes to that stuff. So I, oh God, I, I've also had to learn. I'm not the friend for everybody. Um, so those folks that need the schedule friend and the one to make plans a month and a half out for a dinner, I get that we could do that. But if we don't, if it's like the dinner that if it doesn't happen, uh, and you're going to like resent me for it, we should probably under have that understanding that that's the case before we make that dinner plan. Like, I'm just always going to understand that feelings, wants, needs, subjects change any moment. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like for so much, so much of my life and then other, you know, other people's lives, it's like, uh, 
our feelings come not even second it's like third fourth fifth you know and it's like learning to like undo that it's like oh wait they can come first (laughs) (sighs) well i think that's once again we're gonna pull back to it Uh, i think that's where it comes to me learning to follow my intuition because my intuition leads me to the feelings uh, but my also my intuition can tell me where the feelings are and i don't want to follow them and i learned how to avoid them pretty early now I get to do that really fun stuff where I just dive into the discomfort and I just follow it anyways because I'm curious because I should probably bust out this fucking thought if it's that scary. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that's um, the pan, the pandemic, not to bring up the pandemic. No, yeah, but, we're allowed to talk about it. It exists. <laughs> yeah, quarantine, like when everything stopped, it was like, wait, I was so busy before. Now I'm not busy at all. Oh, now I'm sitting with my thoughts. Mm-hmm. Shit. That's why I was always busy, because <laughs> I didn't want to sit with my thoughts. And you know what happens when you don't uh, have all those things to keep you busy? Instead of sitting with thoughts, you watch all of the Arrowverse. And not all of it, but I watched a lot of that shit. <laughs> the Arrowverse? What is yeah, that? Yeah. Well, they, it was this, I think it's called the CW-verse now, but it was, uh, you know, the Flash, oh. Arrow. Uh, they oh, did oh, – ba- uh, yeah, yeah. So all of those shows, I just – during that time, I just tuned out emotionally and I just like, I, yeah, you're right. Like, it was just like, a, hey, you're here. I actually I'm glad that I fumbled so hard during that time period at addressing what I needed to. And that sounds really weird, but I don't think I was in a place that I actually had the tools or the ability to address the amount of, oh, shit, who am I? What do I need to do? What are my next moves at that time? Uh, but I think whether we were all ready or not, we all got a shake up to, hey, we might want to start prepping to make space for us to be ready or not just uh, be ready for a rainy day, but get a fucking jacket, make rain, like dance, make that rain come <laughs> and like welcome it like choose to i've got like okay cool i'm intentionally walking into this it's time to address this shit hence why yeah. i'm in school because <laughs> i did that shit <laughs> that's not the only reason why but i mean like um yeah i don't know you just kind of hit that point where you're kind of just like what am i doing and what have i been doing that's serving a sense of what other people expect of me or what i need to do in order to prove some sort of thing for some other people and then just be like, what do I legitimately want? Yeah, um, I'm like having a, not mid, what is that, a third life crisis maybe? I'll, I'll call that mine, yeah. I'm having it. I'm having a, my quarter life crisis late, so I think a third life crisis. Wait, I'll say quarter life maybe. I'm going to live weirdly long, yeah. If we um, get uploaded, you don't know. There's options. We God, <laughs> we probably will. <laughs> like, in things have... Like, technology has changed so much in the last, like, year, right? Like, what's it going to be in 10 years? It's going to be crazy. How dare you? Don't do it. Don't make me think about that. <laughs> Mm-mm. No, no, no. Don't you dare. No, I don't want to. But I'm sorry. You were saick. Um, um, uploaded. Um, quarter, a quarter life crisis. Third life crisis. Yeah. Just, yeah, of, of what do I like doing? What do I want to do? Like, what do I need to do? Yeah. I'm thinking about the hobbies that I've been trying to push or the things that I'm mad that I hyperfixated on that I can't force myself to continue doing. I've been trying to analyze why I had that fixation, like why I needed that hobby so hard. What did it actually serve? Is it the actual hobby itself or is it the sense of completion? And what other things can I do to create that same sense of like creative, like 
I don't know, how do we fill that same level of creativity need um, or uh, a sense of accomplishment really is what needs to be done. And maybe something that can take it a lot faster and can get me paid more. Because during that pandemic, I was also taking commissions and I wasn't charging enough to, to appropriately pay myself. That being said, uh, to anybody who, you know, who did buy my shit, uh, y'all tipped me extra and they were kind to me. So thank you. I actually ended up kind of working out. But yeah, that and I also I intentionally reduced my prices for some folks because a lot of us weren't working and a lot of us I needed some practice stuff and I was new to it and i also really wanted to uh you know it's nice to make art for people especially folks who could use it as a reduced price this person paid a little more i can charge a little less here um yeah <sighs> but yeah no uh speaking of leaning into creative endeavors I, I think it's probably about time for me to ask if it's okay i, I do have some questions for you um ask, ask away well, what I think is really funny is that for the last two episodes of, that I've done of this podcast, like Follow Your Foot, I I asked the other party to introduce themselves. And at no point of view, I asked you to introduce yourself. I didn't introduce you as anything other than Sarah Clemency. But I think this is actually a fair time, honestly, uh, to just flat out ask, like, how do you introduce yourself uh, in like – well, I, okay, so this is just because we're friends. But also mm-hmm. this is like an interview setting. So, like, I'm going to ask you a bunch of really super invasive questions. As we've talked, that's kind of my specialty. But, like, when you have to introduce yourself on podcasts and uh, in, like, any performance setting, like, how how do you go about? Or if someone knows, like, oh, that's Sarah. They're super creative. you got to hear about all the stuff that they do. How mm-hmm. do you introduce yourself? Yeah, I think that I am someone who downplays everything. So I don't know how I would introduce myself. Someone else might say that you know i am musical i do comedy i teach i i feel like those things have gone in different spots in the last like you know over the last 10 years like music might have been first sometimes and then like right now teaching is first you know so um yeah music comedy teaching i would say those three things uh is how i uh identify myself um comedy teaching got it okay yeah that's so i'm so bad at oh me um, too i I don't know how to do it and when to do it i actually am terrible at switching out of mode sometimes i'll be talking casually even in like friendship sister and i'm like oh my co-host jim i'm like oh excuse me my friend (laughs) person i love sorry i was just recording an episode i forgot he's more than just my co-host yeah so it, it can be weird like switching out of those states uh i mean i would imagine Okay, well, teacher is one that it's like, okay, cool. You are, you just, it's it's just like teacher. Yes, okay, I teach, I'm a teacher, done. Um, but musician, I, say, I was going to say, it's probably feel a little different, I'm guessing. <laughs> or Well, I, let me let me say this about teacher, that uh, it was really weird. Uh, two years ago, I had to quit teaching for a little bit um, <laughs> because of a, of a health thing. And it was really, that was really weird for me to not, I, I noticed that it felt weird to not be able to be like, I, t- I teach preschooler. I'm a teacher. Yeah. It was like that part of it, my identity, it felt so um, uh, kind of heartbreaking to like have that not there. Also, it you know it made me be like, what? who am I if I'm not teaching? Right, because are uh, – oh, gosh. Are you the teacher who does music? Are you the teacher who does uh, comedy? Or are you the comedian who's a teacher <laughs> or a musician who's a teacher or a musician who's an improviser? Uh, 
it's like it's well i don't that's i think the answer is we're none we're like kind of none and all um we're us we're ourselves and we're those are things we do but uh i don't know it's, I've, I've always had a hard time like i i did poetry for like forever and every time i think i ever st- call myself a poet i still don't think i ever actually believed it um and it's like what is that why why don't yeah it took me so long, even just as a teacher, like I would be so nervous to go teach. And I'm like, I'm teaching a five-year-old how to play basic piano. Why am I nervous that like, I'm going to mess it up? <laughs> they were like, I shouldn't be doing this. Oh, I think the great opportunity reframe there is anytime you're feeling that you just get to be like, dude, isn't it awesome how much I give this much of a fuck that it's stressing me out this much? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Isn't that pretty gnarly how I've gotten to the point where I really care about my profession and what I do this much? I always tell people like if you're if you feel nervous, it's because you care. Yeah. Uh, so those are some of uh, the current creative endeavors. Uh, I'm curious, are there certain like either actually, actually, I love this because uh, I love that we have teaching music and um, also uh, comedy. So I'm curious, are there uh, particular people that have like either like whether they're fictional or not or in, like influences from like creative uh, uh, people that have actually influenced your drive to get into any of these avenues? Sure. Um, well, comedy I remember, I mean, you know, when I was young, like five, six, I wasn't like, I'm going to do comedy one day. Um, I was a very, very, very shy kid. But I used to watch I Love Lucy reruns. Yeah, me too. Nick and Knight was my shit. I was all upon it. Gilligan's Island, Nick and Knight, Bewitched, you name it. I was on it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I adored Lucille Ball. I just thought Mm -hmm. she was just so funny. And that stuff, like, it holds up. Like, if you watch um, an episode, it's, so, it's still funny. Um, yeah, folks, she's more than just, uh, uh, like, like that scene where she's, like, having the, 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 the candy go by scene, whatever. Like, there's more to Lucille Ball than just that. Like, watch, watch all of her show. And also just, like, watch interviews with her because she's just, like, a really interesting person. But, yeah. And she, she just kind of, like, was so badass for that time to be, like um, – you know, the leading woman and owning the the show and everything. Yeah. I remember um, there's times in which she literally would kind of just like do with it. Like she would kind of, how do I put it? She would take, the, she would take the space that she deserved um, while performing. And I was like, good. That's what yeah. that looks like without actually like having it be like a deal. It's more of a, just, it is fluidly as so because Lucille says so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Carol Burnett. Like I used to watch, and this kind of goes in with musical too. I used to watch musicals at my house when I was little, just like nonstop. Like Hello Dolly, Damn Yankees, South Pacific, and Annie were some that like I just watched over and over again. And yeah. Carol Burnett is in Annie as uh, Miss Hannigan. Yes. And I just loved her. I thought, yeah. I mean, I she's what she looks like. What'd you say? Oh, well, Carol Burnett. Yes, 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 yes. yes. No, she's so expressive. Um, yeah, she 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 really is. And I love that. Uh, the weird part is, is that I recognize her face and I'm like, oh, yeah, Better Call Saul. What a weird place. To oh, is she in Better from. Call Saul? She's also in Better Call Saul. Yeah. But okay. it's just like, oh, gosh. Yeah. No, musicals. Actually, I I that was one of my early quiet hush. I shouldn't tell my friends things. I wanted to be a musical so bad when I was younger. But I was also it was musicals. Uh, but plus my like at like eighth grade, I saw Elton John. And then that combination was just like let's do it baby i want to be and then just instead secret secrets go play sports 
uh, speaking of secrets, it's uh, not a secret really to anyone that knows me that I get details wrong, like a lot. Uh, so I meant when I was eight years old, not eighth grade. Cool. Let's go back to the podcast. Let's do it, baby. I want to be, and then just instead, secret secrets, go play sports. Don't tell Recently me about it. Just, um, I mean, Elton John is also like an influence for me too. Yeah. Um, as far as music, I recently just recently, like a year ago. That's how that um, goes. Yeah, Elton John right. was playing at uh the link, and. I didn't have tickets, <laughs> but me and my husband went to the casino that's right there and we could hear him outside. It was Perfect. so amazing. Yeah, I, cr- I cried. I'm like, <sighs> I every now and then I go back and I listen to Honky Cat. That's one of my favorite albums. But uh, uh, get back, Honky Cat. Uh, he's just <sighs> I just remember being like that is a person who's uh, singing his fucking heart out. Beautiful. And. Uh, expressing uh, themselves how they wish and uh, they're interacting with the audience in between like that. I remember that seeing that as being like, a, oh, he's not just doing songs. This is like a whole event. Like I didn't understand how I mean, granted that was my first concert. Uh, you, wait, really? That was your first concert? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The next one was like in high school and I went to go see Corn and like Trust Company. <laughs> what a very hard <laughs> shift. Yeah. Did you watch the, the Elton John movie? I forget what it's called now. The Elton John yeah. movie. What was it called? You remember Yellow Brick Road? Um, I forget. I can't quite remember, but I do remember him painting himself in a little less of a shitty light because he's alive and he can do that. Um, Sure. But it was still a very good. I I did enjoy the movie. Yeah. I was bawling throughout the whole movie. And Mm -hmm. then like weeks later, my husband put on the song. I guess it was just Crocodile Rock. And I just started crying. Like, I thought it was enough time to go by. I was like, no, it's not. I think it is just so painful for me. I can't help it. But the fact that, like, oh, gosh, he is, like, one of those examples of what, like, a parallel. There is a parallel universe where eighth grade Kai had the space to just keep going and enjoy and explore that didn't. And it's weird that I actually have a connection to, like, that concert. Because I was like, wait a minute, like you're telling me that we're allowed to be silly and colorful and uh, we don't have to still pretend to have wives. Uh, although that at that point he did. He did. He had to pretend very much so to be straight at that time, which was hilarious. Straight people, you guys are ridiculous. What is it? I love looking back at my parents and being uh, like loving Elton John and like Queen. And I, I shouldn't assume that they didn't think that they were queer. They they probably were fine with like whatever. Like they probably knew. Yeah. It's so Oh, yes. <laughs> well, so contradictory to be like, well, it's okay because they do music, but like, if I don't know, in real life. I'm actually going to call myself out. I just said it's obvious, but it's not. That's what I need to be better about. I'm going to live for the day where I'm like, oh my God, hey, here's a person wearing what they want. It has nothing to do with their sexuality. Sure. And sure. That's, and that's the world I'm trying to live into because. Even I try to feed that narrative all the time where like, oh, you know, maybe my parents should have been a little inquisitive about my gender identity when my sister dressed me up as, uh, you know, Karen. And I think that's just a simple way of looking at it that whatever, if that works, go for it. But uh, I think that was the first telltale sign of maybe more of what uh, that I want to not like certain things that everyone says I have to. And I want to like things that people say I can't. That's really as simple as that is. Okay. I love it. Like my my mom was really great at letting me wear whatever the fuck I wanted. Hell um, yeah. I went, I was, I dressed very um, masculine in high school and like 
that was fine. It was told like there was no I wore the same fucking Batman shirt like three days a week and she made sure it was washed. So oh, fuck yeah. That. Um, I kind of love that for you, actually. Yeah. I think that was it something that people were like vibing with and it was just like, no, like, oh, that's that's just Sarah's vibe. Yeah, I mean, like some people like it got I got called um, uh, like my nickname was like Batman with like my like bowling team. You know what I mean? So it was it was nice. And then there. Uh, there were people like some of my um, I had some girlfriends who were like, why don't you, you know, you should dress more preppy or whatever. Um, why don't you you're so pretty. Why don't you dress this way? And just like, eh, no, yeah. <laughs> actually, sorry, I'm actually adding a yes ending and making your friends sound worse than they may be. No, they, no. I mean, <laughs> I'm not friends with that, those people. Anymore. Okay, right. On. <laughs> well, no, but I mean, like, I, I've gotten that, too. I mean, how many I mean, even opening the door to being like, hey, guys, I'm still trying to figure out my gender identity was like, well, do you want to play makeup? And I'm like, that's not how that works. So stop having a very simplistic understanding of what gender means when it comes to the way that we express ourselves with our bodies and what we want to do with it. So. I, I like that there's at least a little bit of, uh, less of that. But I look back and like I think Elton John, I think uh, I took, a, you know, taking my Prince class here for his fucking crazy and uh, for, for his Prince class. I took a class called Prince Porn Public Space of the 1980s Twin Cities. I got college That's credit cool. and a history credit for a class uh, about a decade. I was born in myself. <laughs> was it as cool as it sounds. Yes, it was awesome. Uh, we, we did separate it into those three categories. Uh, we start first started the first couple of weeks. Every week was listening to a Prince album. And we started with mostly focusing on like his origins, his, his, his impact and everything in our society. Then we started talking about the sex wars uh, here in Twin Cities. We talked uh, a little bit about the origins of uh, the, the uh, censorship, why there's the, the filthy 15. And, you know, we started watching all those videos of like D Snyder being, you know, in wearing a suit, having to like be like, are you kidding me? I got to fucking come down here and talk to you fuckers about how I'm a, like, I don't even do all this shit. You guys think I do drugs and all this fucking stuff and I'm just singing songs and I'm like, you guys are just, I don't know, whatever. Like it's, anyways, pulling back. For as really problematic as Prince sounds during many times of his life, because I've also, you know, seen many shades that are like, whoa, Prince, not cool, bro. Um, yeah. He had a heavy impact on just like being like, hey, I can still be straight. I can be a straight man and I can do whatever the fuck I want. Like, and yeah. it was like, I didn't like, I, I still like going into that class in 2022, I thought Prince was, was gay. I, I literally like, I, I never, I never listened to Prince growing up. I never really knew anything about Prince. I just always assumed that he was at least bisexual. Um, so for me to go to that class and find out, granted, you know, Kinsey scale, who knows where he, really, where he yeah. lands, but to know that it was just like a, he intentionally was like, no, I'm going to lean into what masculinity and femininity mean and fucking yeah. with it. And y'all can, you know, deal with I, it. It's also like, you know, n not for me to talk on her, but even more so that it was a, a person of color. Oh, very much so. Absolutely. That is an amazing thing. You get to talk about specifically, like, if you're talking about black masculinity, that's a whole nother level of, like, gatekeeping in terms of, like, what you have to be in terms of, like, who you are. So, like, that is a whole nother uh, element of just, like, giving space and uh, a visual example of just, like, well, agency like that. Um, and showing that, like, Yes, you will be contested with harassment. You like when you go to try to perform for the Rolling Stone with the Rolling Stones and have shit thrown at you from their horrible, horrible fans. Yeah, um, don't but worry. The, but weren't like the Rolling Stones also like them? They, 
I don't know. You you think you know? But uh, no, they got like uh, trash thrown at them, like, and they got like called all these like horrible things, uh, racist, homophobic slurs galore. And then they even got asked to come back for the next year. And of all things, you would uh, like you would not expect the prince was like, yeah, I'll come back. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm do the whole set, and there's pictures of uh, Prince like doing that set with just trash all over the ground and just not caring. It's just very much so like, like gonna, yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna do it. You, whatever I'm you do, still gonna be gonna here. be here. They booked me. I have every right to be here. Kind of yeah. like, and also just like a, I don't know. I just think that um, that's what I'm gonna pull back to. Is just say that I have a lot of appreciation for people. There's just a lot of people that have paved a lot of space for me to just exist and wear like a crop top and look, you know, with my bearded happy self roaming the streets. Uh, and I definitely have a, a lot of. Uh, I'm not gonna lie. Let's be real. I an, an immense amount of crush. Uh, like. Um, I have an immense amount of thank yous, uh, specifically, particularly for me feeling the space to exist as I am to like assign male at birth people who are fucking with femininity, uh, you know, trans galore. Thank you. Everybody who's like making space for me to just be out here and be like, you know, just pissed off that no one's getting certain things right. Like, I know it's all um, we're always pushing it forward and every feeling is valid. But every now and then I need to check myself and humble and be like. All right. How much do I really have? Like, how much less of a threat do I get to exist my life with because of the work of other people? Um, so I'm trying to be a little bit more appreciative of that. That's for sure. It's also um, like this just crossed my mind that like me, like me, a cis woman dressing masculine is like so much more accepting in society. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, I mean, like um, it's it's weird because then he'd even be sexualized in a gross way because it's like the whole like oh she can clean you know fix cars and be hot and hang out next to you like you know what i mean like if you do like the if you do it right you know then people will be happy whatever but like yeah i hear what you're saying but i would imagine actually i'm only seeing it from the lens of like um the way that we've always used tomboy i hate that the way that i've always like kind of like the center view from it was the way that straight dudes saw them Right. Like it was kind of just like as soon as you you're not bothering me because you're just off. OK, well, you're just out of my way. You're off my market. You don't matter to me because you're not what I'm looking for kind of thing from us like that. I have a one track understanding of what I'm looking for in a woman kind of thing. Because uh, right. we did streamline what man and woman are supposed to look like to a fair amount pretty heavily at this point. Yes. Uh, so, yeah. Or they can do the the typical uh what in movies where it's like take off the hat and glasses oh now yes. she's hot. kiss me yes no absolutely 100 <laughs> percent. and oh gosh i think about that every now and then when's gonna be my big glasses walking down the stair moment it'll happen probably after i graduate i actually get a sense of style it'll happen i'm gonna put glasses on and i'm gonna shave my beard and like have a new shirt and then call it there <laughs> you take uh, off uh, you unzip your gown and your. Oh my god! Thank you for making my uh, graduation way more interesting. Yeah, I'm actually I'm gonna peel off my beard. It's been a like uh, <laughs> just the whole time. It'd be so good. Actually, I would love to go to uh, to to graduation with clearly a fake beard on top of my beard. Uh, just have another beard underneath. It's like yeah, no, it's it's the new me. <laughs> Throw my hat, rip my fake beard off of my other beard, and just keep moving. Um, so I do have, uh, another question for you. Uh, yeah. uh, oh, okay. This is fun. Cause we'll be talking about this a little bit. Do you find that in, when you're performing, do you navigate towards particular like emotions? Like, do you yeah. particularly enjoy creating in like pockets of certain emotions than others? 
Oh, abs- absolutely. I love being sad in scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, sadness, like, it's just, I bet if, like, somehow you could go back and, like, analyze all my improv scenes, probably about, like, 90% of them, I was probably um, crying, like, fake crying or yeah. getting sad. Um, and then mad is fun, too. I really like to pretend to be mad, which I don't. It's not that I don't get mad in my real life. I don't show my anger. My anger turns to, like, sadness. The only time I, like, really feel super angry is, like, when I'm driving. Um, (laughs) Yeah. 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 Otherwise, the anger tends to lean to, like, um, yeah, sadness. So on stage, it's fun for me to yell. Or I also, like, I like showing anger the opposite of, like, getting loud, like, that uh, low, like soft anger. That is so scary. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Like there's just the seeping, the embodiment of just like, just, yeah, no, who doesn't love to watch a silent, the straight man character slowly becoming more ready to be unhinged because everything around them is absolutely insane and it needs to be addressed at some point. That, I, I like that gift being given to the people that you're, uh, well, that you're performing with that are in the audience. <laughs> uh, the audience, I I think the audience is, it's the audience is so important in all aspects of theater, especially comedy, because if the audience is not there, it's to the void. You don't know what, it's so like going to, doing shows at improv practice in front of one coach is just so different than doing a show in front of a bunch of people who are giving that feedback and like, yep. Yeah, you are working with them. They're part of it. When so when you're not doing okay, so when you're not doing something that's feeding necessarily off the audience. So you've done scripted stuff, and uh, you obviously do music. So you're writing the stuff. Like, do you find that there's like a, a creative shift in terms of like, are you still navigating those same towards of like emotions, or do you tend to kind of okay, cool. Now that I have the time and space to write this and create this and bring it to the stage, is it different or is it relatively the same? That is a great question. Um, I think, yeah, I I tend to go towards sadness. And I like that. Like, so I have a lot of songs that I've written that are just single songs, like not part of a musical or anything. Mm -hmm. And so many of those are sad, even if they sound really happy. Sure. Oh, I, I love melancholy lyrics to like kind of like upbeat and or kind of just like just really, uh, I don't know, just music that gets you a little bit uh, introspective. Um, yeah. Just yeah. really vibey music with like, it kind of almost feels like I'm supposed to be happy, but instead I'm just like investigating my feelings with curiosity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I love making sad songs funny. So as far as like, um, if they were in like, in, in, in a comedy show or in like a musical, um, yeah, making a song that should be, from the outside looks like it should be sad, but yeah. putting a comedy spin yeah. on it. Who doesn't want to be a show where someone's just like, my dad doesn't secretly understand my true wants. <laughs> like, yeah, like it's like you need to do a song where it's just like the, the truth uh, a little bit. Sometimes we uh, we want the I'm in an uh, Uber and I just got dumped song. We, we want to find a way to find the humor in those moments. I, I think. I, in, yeah. Yeah. I did a show, uh, me and my friend Catherine Amrine used to do a musical duo. We always talk about doing it again, and it just 
hasn't happened yet. Well, but this is the inspiration right here. I when it <laughs> one of the songs we did was it was based around like this this person just had sex with a another person. It was like a one night stand, and it was supposed to be like that introspective song of like you know it sets up that it's going to be like, what are we? What is this? But it's like, the question is like, I'm just worried if the condom broke, like, am I, (laughs) am I good? Like, are we good here? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) No, that's actually really good. No, uh, actually that kind of ties in actually with something I was going to ask you, which is what do you value in like a collaboration or like a scene partner or someone you're working with? As far as improv, any, I, I, one of my favorite things to do when I was like really uh, moving and grooving in the scene was doing improv at jams. I love doing a scene with someone who's maybe never done a scene or who just started out doing improv. I love that because I like being very supportive and I find that almost like new people a lot of time are, they're not worried about if, like they're doing the right thing, the right thing I'm quoting for improv yeah, because they don't, they don't know, they don't know the, this is right. This is wrong. They're not thinking about that. Um, so that's really, uh, fun for me. I like any, but as far as like people that I've, um, are more, aren't, aren't beginners. If you are listening, that's, that's all I need in a, in a scene partner. I need, yep. if you're listening and, it's easier for me to be like, I'm not the person who's setting up all the, the um, details. I don't give that many details. I'm not, I'm not that person. I'm the person who can set up the, the, the intro for, I love doing uh, like pulls, like uh, from a monologue pulling premise. That's where I live. Pulling premise is where I live and I can set that up. I can give you emotion and mm-hmm. then I can support the fuck out of you. Please give so much to the scene because I need, <laughs> I need so much help. No, that's real. I, yeah. I think it's so ridiculous. Cause I'll always say like, I'm not good at starting a scene from nothing. And it's like, that's what improv is, Sarah. <laughs> yes. I would, I would imagine you disagree with yourself when you give yourself a little bit of space on that. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I it was funny too because I was it's you kind of answered the questions ahead of time which was uh like kind of what you do to to kind of look after uh, the other people that you like to like well, how do you like to look after the other people and pointing to something that I also feel which is like when I have somebody who's new doing something that I'm not an expert at I mean sure at this point sure I've been I guess I can, I can give myself credit I've been actively practicing improv more or less every week for the last four years of my life or <laughs> I guess that kind of counters a little bit but when I uh, have that opportunity to be like Oh, I get I get to think about how I get to take like to take care of the other person and get to be on stage. So I maybe I get to find out stuff that kind of like uh, oh, that's my favorite thing actually was at jams was seeing that when they accidentally found themselves saying something that made the audience laugh. And then when I saw them see that that was the, like that's the game and they found the game as soon as I can throw them the rock as much as I possibly can to make them keep remembering that that's the game. So they don't lose sight of that. So they keep having fun. Mm-hmm. That's my favorite thing in the world. And then you're having fun too. Then we're oh, yeah. both fun. Well, yeah, especially if I get to throw them in a curveball and now have to them, you know, make them run like an idiot. <laughs> or like or like like really push uh like to, to go 
uh, like get them in a, put them in a position where now they have to like go with so fast and so, and, and, and do it to the point where they don't have time to think whether they should be confident about it. And they just are, um, I don't know. I'm, I guess I'm a little bit of a, of a, a mean bully like that to try to like help somebody, uh, get the fuck out of their own way. But it just feels really good when you get to do that. See, but I, I need people like that because I'll get in my, my own way. So I need, mm. um, I feel like Someone I really like playing with, Rob Lissani, yeah, he's someone that will get you out of your own way. Like, he will throw me something that I'm like, oh, I would have never done that. Like, yep. now I have to. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I've actually almost seen Rob Lissione, uh do that, like, where he kind of tosses the rock to somebody in a way where it was just like the, uh, how do I put it? Uh and you can almost you can see him getting excited about the thing he's going to give to somebody. And then he does. And then you're just like, oh, you mischievous little butt. That's good. OK, yeah, no, you play with it. Ah, have fun. <laughs> and that's that's kind of what I like. I like watching people who I think because I'm on the inside of it now, like I can't go watch an, like a performance like like particularly I can't go watch improv without knowing that I'm seeing a teammate take care of another teammate. Like I see yeah. that and I don't even know these people. I just know the nuances of what it looks like when you take care of your scene partner on stage. Um, and you get you do get to know a team a little bit by watching those moves. And it's pretty fun. There's so many times when I'm watching improv and I start to realize that I'm analyzing it. And I'm like, sorry. Yeah. They're making it up. They're making yeah. it up. It's improv. Watch the show. Like, right. I don't need to be there. Like, oh, they should have edited it. Like, just just watch the show, Sarah. It's it's harder than others, but also I think it's a tell of a good improviser when they can make another improviser not do that because it's just there's certain shows like when I went to go see Second City, I wasn't thinking about every move they did because it was whatever. Like I did think about it later and analyze it and want to like write it on a napkin as soon as I walked out. But other than that, like it wasn't like they're not. It's not like the second um, like godly uh, separation of the creative uh, performances that I've seen before. But it is uh, it's one of those things where you're like, OK, cool. No, I need to shut off the mindset that's going to be like, how do I make myself as good as this person and hold myself to these standards for a performer that I don't have their same provide uh, uh, performance style? I don't have their same lived experience. I don't have their same tools. How can I maybe pull some things that I can see that worked for them and think about how I can remake some tools that will work for what I'm working with um, is more yeah. where I'm at now. So I get I definitely like. Afterwards, I can't help but being like, huh, well, that's a playing style that I'll never be. But I really want to figure out how I how I with my style would work with that person. That's where my I, I tell people a lot when I teach improv that. Um, so so if they're really good at this thing, like I'm really good at playing sad, mm-hmm. not taking that away, like not being like, don't do that anymore being like, hey, how about you try some other things too? Mm-hmm. So then you can do both the things. Oh, yeah, Not- actually, yeah. Uh, Joe uh, Gates, sorry to give away some of the th- uh, some of your free uh, improv-, uh, improv coaching that you did for uh, Daddy Issues Improv, but uh, I will tell anybody who is on an improv team or does improv at any point, um, do, it, do a thing where everyone just kind of goes, like if you're on a team and you're with people for a while and you really feel like you're, you gotta be in a safe spot where you can admit it, go around and then just like have everybody take accountability for their thing and kind of if you're really <laughs> dangerous, 
have that person sit in the hot seat and have everybody go, guys, what do you think their thing is? Like, what's their go to? And like, we get to call each other out a little bit. And of course, mine is crying. That's what everyone called me out for, too. I'm a crier. Uh, Siobhan, Siobhan was like, Siobhan, you got to stop being like an evil something. Like, give me evil. <laughs> yes. Like, you ha- no, no, but Siobhan has to be evil. And she does a wide variety of things, but whatever. But it pointed out to like, there's nothing wrong with us doing that. But what does it look like when now the exercise is now we know our things. All right. No one's allowed to do their thing, but they're only allowed to do a thing from somebody else's thing. So like I every now and then I'm like, what are my other tool? But like the people on my current improv team, I'm like, what are the things you guys are doing currently really well? And what does it look like when I just improvise as a person? Like I want to improvise as that person mm-hmm. <laughs> improvising <laughs> yeah. basically is what I'm trying to do more. Um, so maybe there are levels of comedy I can do. I just have to really well, I need to take on the character of the person that I think could perform it that way. <laughs> I just wrote that down. I love that. What? Guys. But like, have like have oh. everyone say like their thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's it, it, I think it should be at a certain point, right? Like if you're new to improv and you're in like a really like sensitivity space, I mean, I'm pretty sure I have rejection sensitivity, but that would be a nightmare to me on like my first improv team first week. <laughs> but if y'all have been working together for a while and stuff like that, I think it's good to be able to like, well, to get out of your way of shaming yourself for having your go-tos. There's nothing wrong with having our go-tos. Yeah. Um, we all have our own go-to ways to connect with each other as human beings. We all have our thing where someone says something, oh, I actually have a story about that. And we go to the things that are in our kind of within our reach. So there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. But for whatever reason, people can get pretty self-mad at themselves. I think people – maybe I'm wrong, but I see a lot of the people I've performed with. They're like, I know. I did my thing again. I'm like, I'm not mad about it. I love it when you do that. <laughs> I think it's great. Yeah. Uh, that's perfectly fine. You know what? You should yell more at like – actually, no. Don't yell at anyone in an improv scene. Um, that's not true, but uh, – I don't know. I've learned that there's nothing wrong with me crying, but I'm trying to fuck around with, I don't know, maybe the way I cry or the how long I sit in my emotions or, you know, maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe they're just more intrinsically like what is the root and, and like when I am crying to like I'm trying to challenge myself when I'm doing it and I catch myself like, OK, you're doing that thing that you always do. Fuck, you're in the middle of a scene. You're a character. What do you do? Okay, go back to you're still crying, but why would this person be crying this harshly right now? And then find yeah. something else that's interesting about them. All right, got a few more questions for you. This one actually is, it's a real one, and I really enjoyed asking people this in general. How do you manage burnout? What's your go-to for fuck you burnout? Not today. So, yeah, I mean, to be honest, it was nothing until quarantine. I, I did not stop since, since I was little, I was doing this, 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 this. It was how I live my life was just doing all these things. And I think I was just like burnt out and like pushing it down. And, um, quarantine came and then I just like was a fucking mess. And yep, that's yep. what happens when you don't manage burnout. Um, Sorry, so, this this question I think I'm going to keep asking people and they're gonna, it's always going to come with a little bit like, fuck you, Kai. How dare you make me realize? But also when I asked Jim, the if, like on the first episode, he's like, I don't. Oh, <laughs> I, just, yeah. I don't. I don't manage it. I don't know what the fuck to do with it. It's just crazy. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. But now now I do. And it's saying no. That was like the biggest thing. It was, yeah. it's been, it's so hard for me to say no to people because I want to please. It's not even for me. It's because I want to please people. I want to, uh, maybe that opportunity won't come again. I have to say yes, you know? Um, and now it's like, it's okay to say no or to be like, I can't do it this time, but I can do it 
this time. Yes. Um, and like right now I, I'm not taking on like, um, not that so many people have been asking me or anything, but like I used to coach a couple teams and, and people will ask me to coach and I'm like, I will do subbing. I cannot do an every week coach right now. I, mm. I just can't. It just take it. That's something that would take a lot out of me at this moment. And like shows, I do like once a month shows right now. And I want to do like, eventually I think I'll be able to do more of these things. But like this past year, I was just so um, tired from my job that I couldn't do that. And if I said yes to these things, I would have been, totally burn out and sometimes it sucks because you know saying no to things that you generally want to do Mm -hmm. uh suck but it's 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 in the long run healthy and (laughs) good for yourself yeah well, not only that, but I can also sometimes I find that when I've said no to when I'm respecting my inability because I'll be burnt out and someone's kind of like, what are you talking about? This is in your wheelhouse. This is so kind. This is so a thing. But this is what, what you're saying. No, specifically, because it's just me. I'm like, no, I just hello. I'm, took me a while to learn how to respect my shit. What do you want from me? I'm saying no. Deal with it. I love you. But no. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. No, I'm like, I haven't had. Honestly, I haven't said no enough. I'm 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 really this last year has been. A lot more of uh, not so much saying no to uh, uh, so much creative options as much as it's been like uh, no to second dates, uh, no to um, uh, oh, geez, no to clients that I refuse to clean for um, setting that boundary. Be like, hey, I was in their house. and I didn't really feel comfortable. I didn't like this. Being able to say that and being like, I don't want to go back there. And I don't think they're, you know, uh, a good person for us to be working for. Being honest about that. Um, um. I don't know. I'm saying honestly, my ba- my favorite no that I've said no to is just inauthenticity between me and people who are trying to genuinely be my friend. I've been knowing the fuck out of that super hard, and I'm like, hey, this whole thing we're doing right here, I feel like we're just having conversations next to each other. I don't feel like we're being real with each other, and it just bugs people out when you tell them straightforward that we're just having like I don't feel like this is real. So I think we need to step away and then come back to this when we can be a little bit more real with each other. It and, bugs yeah. people out, but yeah, I'm not saying um I refuse to say yes to empty apologies. Uh, oh, you know what? That is something that I teach my preschoolers. Like, it, so say a kid knocks another kid down. I'll be like, "Hey, like, you know, Jake, you, you, did you notice that you knocked um, Tim down?" And they'll mm-hmm. be like, "Oh, sorry." I'm like, "No, no, no, you do not have to say sorry. Why don't you check in? Just say like, ask them if they're okay." Because yeah. I feel like kids learn from such a. Oh kid. my god! Yes. Sorry. And then it's over. It's, everything's fine. No, but they're going to take that into uh, they're going to take that hopefully into their adulthood. And where that would land itself is, um, well, a lesson that I would have. OK, uh, I got that lesson, but in my 201 improv class, um, but with Caitlin Corkery, uh, Caitlin Corkery was just going off, uh, just being like, hey, y'all. So I know you're back at it. This is round two. You know, just as a reminder, we're probably going to say some things that are going to be kind of what comes first to our minds. Um, it's not always going to be what we wish we said, and we're going to want to kind of grab it and pull it back and be like, oops, sorry, put that back in my mouth. I'm sorry. But we're also going to like say things that like are going to upset people. And if somebody comes up to you and says like, Hey, the thing you said really upset me, take that as a compliment to a certain degree that they cared enough to tell you, right. To come to tell you. And rather than just be like immediately like a distance, let me 
distance myself and not be like this is not exactly how she said it but uh to be on team bad guy that's the way i've always looked at it it's like rather than just distancing yourself and be like i'm not i'm not i swear um just go hey i really appreciate you saying something to me um i don't want to just give like literally just saying like i, I want to sit with that like thank you and then if you're down i would love to talk to you about this in the future like because it's to to say that like thank you and depending on obviously the severity of the situation but it's okay to say i really appreciate you saying that to me uh, I do. I'm sorry for how that affected you. I do want to like sit with that and like really chew on that. So I'm going to chew on that. Like telling someone you're not, you're actually going to intentionally take what they said and not just be like, I'm sorry with it now, but I'm going to take that with me later when you're not here and you don't have to watch me sit with this thing that, you know, you think I should know by now. Um. <laughs> uh, yes. A sorry is just words if there's nothing backing it up. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that because, unfortunately, I've given so many of them as just an, um, well, all right, everyone, you're going to learn a little bit about Kai's attachment style. Go ahead and guess. But uh, I've learned that uh, endlessly saying you're sorry so people won't leave, <laughs> it's, yeah. an, it's not a good, it's not sustainable. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I want to fix it. I'm and sorry. I also will say, oh, this is weird. A lot of times people say to reframe that to thank you. I will say don't also say thank you just so people will stay you know what <laughs> yeah. so this is not exactly this isn't like for relationship stuff this is more like work situation yeah but i definitely try to balance that of like okay say thank you instead of sorry but like sometimes saying the saying the apology is okay you don't yeah anyway yeah no there is a balance because when you say like hey you know instead of saying sorry i'm late and you say thank you for being patient a lot of times i hear people say like oh i'm gonna be so smart about reframing that when they say thank you for like thank you for being patient they they just said sorry they just said it in a different way uh yeah, yeah. <laughs> right what is more important to me is how are you feeling about me being late oh what what did, what did that tell you um but Kai, that's hard. I know. I know it's hard, but I, <laughs> I'm I'm telling you, I'm telling me and I'm telling everybody. I'm trying to reinforce that. Like, how do you, how do you go? Okay. There's a discomfort here. Where does it live with you? Um, you know, a lot of times when I'm having uh, conflict with people, I can see it just sitting in somebody and I'm like, okay, cool. They're coming into this conflict. They got all these, I can see on their, their tense here, their tense here. That means they got ready to go this feeling, ready to go this response to what they think. So the first thing I need to find out is, what are you expecting? Like, what are you thinking? I'm like, how, how do you think I'm viewing you? What do you expect? Or what do you think I expect from you? Um, I just, I think it's more important that I could understand. Um, well, yeah, actually people are always talking about, you got to communicate, you got to communicate. You also need to be responsible for making sure that, that, that the method you're communicating, uh, is works for the other person receives. And if it doesn't do once again, Nathaniel, get another cra- like little shout out on the podcast. Um, do what Nate does, which is all right. That, that doesn't, that doesn't seem to work for you. Let me try to re I'm going to try it a different way. And I'm like, yep, let's try a different way. Reframe new explanation, new way of looking at it. Uh, kind of see some pieces, puts it together. That kind of worked. And if it's still not, he'll even do like another, like you got me, you kind of like, eh. and then he'll even throw like another little mini, uh, mini sode of how else do we also get you to look at this in a state of curiosity. And that can even be about conversations that are like really hard about like piss poor behaviors of mine or emotional distress I'm going through. Uh, yeah, you just gotta, we all gotta make space a little bit more for us to figure out what the fuck is going on. Do you think, do you think that improv has helped you with doing some of these things? 
I, we wouldn't be doing this episode if that wasn't the case. That's literally the motivation behind why I want to do this because um, I talk about improv on my dates. I talk about improv when I go home to talk to my family. Um, so everyone should take an improv class. I oh, don't know. Yeah, you're on record. You're saying that. And just remember, every other teacher that you're friends with has people going into their one on one classes right now and being like, you know what? The pandemic taught me I was destined to be on stage, baby. And there are a lot of teachers who were like, fuck, no, not everyone should do improv right now. So I did not say I did not say everyone should do improv for a long period of time. Everyone yeah. should take one improv class. I think I think everyone should take an improv class just like everyone should wait a table. Um, just one, just one table. Not even like, or at least just a workshop. Just do at least a workshop. Actually, no, I, I'll take it back. I'm not going to reframe your statement. I think an eight-week course of vulnerability with other people is a really uh, humbling um you know what? I'm not even going to say what it is. It's just an opportunity. What you get out of it is going to be something different for everybody. For me, improv was a thing that I said I was going to do for like four years. And then Nathaniel, third time shout out, made me go upstairs and grab uh, my laptop. And he's like, look it up we're look, we're, right now. We're doing it. Oh, look, there's a class. And I'm like, yeah, but you know what? It's going to start in like two weeks. And like, what is it? What is literally withholding you from doing it between now and two weeks versus two months from now? I'm like, all right, I guess there really isn't much. You're right. Like, fuck, you're right. I'm going to do it. And then, you know, you do it. And, oh, gosh, uh, yeah, improv was that first place where I really started to have a positive relationship with my prefrontal cortex. Um, <laughs> I started to actually be like uh, that, like being curious about the times, like the holdups. I kept I, I kept here, like feeling the record skip moments where I was just like, I bet you're all wondering how I got here. This is a terrible joke. You know, like I have that moment and I started to have to have to confront that more often. And then it became less scary. Um, I think it's why I'm a better conversationalist now. I think it's honestly why I think I'm a better friend. I think it's responsible to a certain degree about why I'm a better communicator with my family. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's honestly just, uh, this is really silly, but it's a lot of, um, well, not even if this is true, what else can be true? If this can be true, what else is possible? Like, I guess so much more of just like, like, I know, like, if this is true, what else is true is such a finite, like, well, okay, cool. Now I have this answer. Now I have this answer. And that's like a, a good tactic. I love that for developing. Like, I am not in the space to think too heady about a character. Cool. I have a character. This guy, these are his beliefs. But I got to take that same love curse and bring it into my life where I'm like, okay, cool. Well, if it is true that I'm afraid to go back to school because, oh, geez, hold on. That's not quite it. If it is true, sorry, other way around. Uh, Ralph got a truth out of me, so we're going to give a little more love to our past guest, Ralph. Ralph asked me, and I mentioned it on the episode, so if anyone did listen to the previous Follow Your Foot episode, you already got this. Ralph asked me why I was going back to school one day, like during like a – he's kind of giving me like a trial of what his coaching would look like. And he asked me like three or four times until I finally gave him the real answer, which was um, because I want to see my mom more than once a year. Mm. Right? Sad. But yeah. finally got me to admit the truth. Yeah. Right. And then at that point, I could do, well, if this is true, what else is true in such a negative way? Like, well, if this is true, then like what other bullshit things are sad in your life that you're not able to do? But instead of like, well, if this is true, and that's like the root of my motivations, like what other connections am I like literally missing out on? And what do I need to put in action in order to be able to create uh, like a more like, you know, uh, the like what it just got me asking more like and it's such a, uh, a genuine, curious, how do I take care of myself way? Uh and now I'm doing that everywhere. Um, yeah, I am also that asshole who encourages everybody to take an improv class. Um, I did that to 
I, I did that to a, a woman at Macy's when I was visiting home in New Hampshire three weeks ago. Um, cause I was, you know, she was asking about, I, I had like read all of my nose. I just didn't look pretty. I was going to go to a bar. I wanted to look nice. I didn't want to spend money. So what do you do? You go to Macy's. You have the people that work there. They know they're not going to get shit for you. They spot you. They know you're the person who's there to just put shit on your face and leave. And yeah. she knew exactly who I was. So she did the like, Hey doll. And I was like, Oh, okay, cool. Like she's from, uh, she's born, you know, we started chatting. She's born and raised in Queens. And, uh, we're just like shooting the shit going back and forth for like a good 20 minutes and talking about improv. You know, my friends are always saying I got to do improv. I was like, Oh shit. I was actually just looking. They do improv here in the city. I was just found out they actually have, Oh shit. Look, they have like an upcoming thing like first time improvisers this saturday and she's like i'm free and i'm like good i love that this random interaction is like go fucking do it bro um i think everyone should do improv to to realize how much they do or don't listen to other people yeah well, also, uh, that's a key thing too. Um, I had just, it, improv made me realize why I was listening and we kind of could circle back to that too, right? Like, so if I'm, if I'm listening for the sake that I'm going to be filling in the answers afterwards, because this is a problem solver, I'm responsible for it. That's different than listening. If I'm just listening to kind of keep tabs on what's going on. And then we don't know whether there's going to be the need for me to be the decision maker, but rather we don't know what's going to happen. We'll just, it's just information for me to have for, well, the next moment that I'm going to carry with me because I want to be mindful of what's going forward. Like, those are two different separate things. Like I, I didn't realize that um, everybody gave love to Mae Martin. Have you watched Mae Martin's new Netflix special? No. Uh, so everybody go watch it. Mae Martin, they're a great uh, performer and comedian, but they they kind of poked fun at us as human beings a little bit about how um, the way when someone tells a story, we have our story and they parallel it to like when we show like our, our life is like our, in a snow globe. Like these are all of our experiences and like who we are and all the things we've seen. So someone would be telling a story and you'd be like, Oh wait, Oh yeah. Oh, but, but I am me. And like, you must show them near the, like you just like slowly reveal the snow globe you had hidden behind your back and you show like, this is who I am. I think, uh, I think it's very easy to be the listener who's only listening so they can say their thing. Improv helped me realize that I need to be better at, Asking more questions that I don't have answers to, that I'm not even asking only because I want to give my answer, but because I'm genuinely thinking that this would be a beneficial question or a unique question or one that is not just selfishly just for me. Like it just feels like a pure question. Those are the ones I want to ask. I don't want to ask the ones that are be like, just so I can tell you about that time in Venice that I got into a fight with my ex fiance. Uh, I'm sorry, my ex high school girlfriend and knocked over the digital camera into the Venice uh, gondola, whatever fucking experience. Granted, I do want to tell that story clearly, but it is. <laughs> oh, okay. Is that real? Yeah. Uh, uh, digital camera. Back when digital cameras were real, uh, we did all of the stops. It was a high school trip with my high school girlfriend. We did. Uh, we had gone to like pretty much everywhere. I think we had maybe one more stop after Venice. You know, we'd done like Florence and uh, Assisi and uh, and everything and, and gone to Rome. And all of these photos are on this digital camera. And I knocked it off into the water right before we got uh -huh. into the gondola. And then we just fought on the gondola. And this person's just rowing with us arguing. And I always think this is such a unique experience. But for me, yes. For that gondola like boat person, no. That is oh, their yeah. life. They're, they're just constantly dealing with people yelling while they're just rowing in a romantic setting. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. What a, what a good, like, um, metaphor or analogy of like living in the moment though like the digital camera being knocked into the water you know we don't <sighs> need phrase we can just live in the moment yeah well that's how i actually there you go what a wake-up call for me too because in that moment with the, the amount of defensiveness that i've always had in me because i gotta apologize blah 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 there was a part of me that still i connected to today that remembers yeah but we lived it what are you talking about we lived it we were yeah. there <laughs> says the person with no memory. Uh, okay, so before we get you out of here, I do have, uh, of course, pretty probably uh, expected question here. Uh, to a certain degree, 
is there anything um, that you feel as though would have been really helpful for you to uh, hear um, from? Uh, oh. Well, you know how we were talking a little bit of like, you know, being that friend that gives you the tough thing you need to hear. Mm hmm. If you were able to be your friend and go back and tell like beginning ground stages of uh, wherever your beginning ground stages of, of kind of those creative like kind of sparks that you whatever wherever that is. Uh, do you have something that comes to mind? Yeah, I would just tell, I mean, throughout my whole life, I feel like 10 years from now, I'll probably want to tell this person too. Oh, like, yeah. Just believe in yourself like you can do. Like just believe in yourself. That starts. I, I feel like and I feel like so many people along my journey through um in college and through fit like it's have done like Kristen Shear was very much like you can do this mm -hmm. and it's so easy to dismiss those things or or be really honored that someone said something like that to you but also be like but I'm not gonna like you know just letting myself um yeah, fully in, in, embrace myself. I, I almost feel like in high school, I was a little more like, I think that was before I had anxiety. Mm -hmm. Um, I still had other shit, but like the full anxiety didn't like, didn't, uh, kick in. And I was just a little, it was a little easier for me to be my full self. And I feel like, uh, I'm still trying to undo myself for where that, full Sarah is right um, because she's pretty cool mm -hmm. um, <laughs> mm, I would agree thank you um and uh I wish that yeah I think that in the last couple of months I'm, I'm intentionally like I could more so but like I am trying to be that full Sarah and um yeah. So I would just, yeah, I would tell myself, just be your full self and like, at least, and find out who your full self is maybe even too. Well, also, um, you I, just said you're going to, you know, you're going to probably tell you, you could tell yourself something now from 10 years from now and same thing, you know, this is very much so kind of digging into a little bit of my coffee date earlier in terms of just like, um, uh, <laughs> you're catching me at a very interesting. Yesterday was a therapy session where I just said out loud, I'm like, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm just kind of at that point now where I'm just kind of like pissed off that I'm waiting on everyone to catch up with how fucking awesome I am. And that's such an egotistical, like it sounds really whatever and it can come off bad. I don't care. That's genuinely where I'm at right now is that like I always kind of had this understanding that like the pure, the pure thoughts, the intuitions that are like the parts that feel authentic and connected to my ground, like my grounded self, my morality, like all of these, like that is, uh, it's enough. It's been enough. What the fuck? Yeah. Um, so the more like, and I'm grateful and I'm sure it's going to be an up and down journey. And I'm sure 10 years from now, Kai might come back and be like, you thought you had it. And you know, you know, we'll, we'll see, but I, I, I hear you on, um, well, I mean, it's the name of the podcast, right? Follow your foot. You have to believe, you have to believe that what you're going to is actually going to work out. Um, or, and actually, if anything, for me, reframe what working out means. Cause like it, it's working out could be it fucking sucking and not working and like, and teaching you something else. Like maybe that is what the workout was. Um, so I have yeah. a quote that I, I don't, I don't know if I've ever said this out loud. It's, it's for improv, but I say it in my head. So you say, follow the foot, but some people will say, follow the fear. And mm. I like to say in my head, fuck the fear. <laughs> why yeah. Am I, why am I even fucking scared of it? 
Oh no, that's fucking perfect. Okay, no, that's that's it. That's the yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm with that. Uh, no, okay. I think that's I don't know if this is a better thing to end with other than literally everybody. No, seriously, fuck the fear, everybody. Um, fear and uncertainty are two of the biggest things that could be a holdup in our journey. And uh, knowing that uncertainty is not just going to be something that only you're going to have to deal with alone because you're not alone, and that the the fear is the, the biggest asshole in your way. Um, so yeah, fuck the fear. Um. Oh. Yeah. And fucking st- actually, I Jim got mad at me because he, I was trying to come up with some sort of catchy way to end this, these episodes because it's follow your foot. So we're like, I, my, I think with Ralph, it was like, keep on stepping. Um, <laughs> so for today, it's going to be fuck the fear. You could step the fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> fuck fear. Um, thank you, Sarah, for coming <laughs> on. Is there creative endeavors that you're doing or anything uh, the folks around you that you would like to give some uh, highlight to? Um, yeah friend is doing well i don't know if she's going to do a friend show but i'm helping her with the music for it it's called uh brooke mccarthy um and it's called gaslight and it is about gaslight gaslight people Mm -hmm. gaslight um so go follow her on instagram go follow that musical i don't know she's not exactly sure when it's but she's working on it i'm helping her work on it yeah Oh. So I'm excited. Oh, I guess it got really loud just then. Sorry. No, you're good. Yep. Yep. Oh, I'll make sure to spike that up a little extra high. Um, <laughs> no, what I will do is uh, when I'm editing back to this future Kai, we'll hear and make sure that I get info from you. And I know we'll also make sure that it's in the show notes and then people oh, can actually have the access to just literally follow where they came from and then click on the thing. And yes, do the thing where when you're scrolling, you sometimes see this person doing the thing they love because not only is it just like even if you never go see it, you like it. That brings joy to them. But also it, yeah. it's just inspiration around you of people doing their shit that they love. Um, yeah. So it never hurts to have more of that while you're scrolling uh, into the doom in the middle okay. of your night. Good thought. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love you. Don't go anywhere. Uh, you stay here. But everybody else, you have to go. Uh, me and Sarah are going to go back to just uh, everything that was before you got here. And re- no, I'm <laughs> I was going to be really mean, but I won't. Um, thank you, uh, everybody, for listening to Follow Your Foot episode three. Uh, we're going to keep doing this. I don't know who's on episode four, but I really want to keep doing this. If you have any thoughts, feedback, suggestions about what you think this could be, uh, if you know me and you are my friend and you think that that this could be something uh, and a little different from what it is, uh, I would love to get some of your feedback. So uh, step the fuck off, everybody. We'll see you next week. <laughs> Thanks again for listening. If you would like to show the show a little love, you can do so by rating and reviewing on your preferred podcast app and follow the social medias, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, maybe one day TikTok. And uh, if you didn't like the show, that's cool. Uh, You don't have to listen. So uh, step off. That's going to give me a bad rating. Yeah, fuck it.